0: Snack. Production. Cheers. Market The S&P. The ISX. Stocks. This is the Motley Fool Money Mailbag.
1: Welcome to Motley Fool Money, our special mailbag edition. Yeah, I know, I know, every week. But every week we keep getting great questions. So every week Andrew and I make us, force ourselves to turn up here and do lots of research and share with you things we'd rather not talk about lying about that. We're gonna have some fun over the next hour or so answering your questions. We wouldn't be dead for quids. We wouldn't be anywhere else for quids either, although enough quids we might reconsider. Mate, let's start with oh sorry. Good Andrew Page. Hi,
0: how are you going? It's always I'm, special. I'm very, mate. Very well. It's always
1: special. No need to apologize for that. I, I am I am curious, mate, the second Sunday of the year have you come up with a new Description for strawman.com. You know.
0: <laughs> it's going to be a long wait for you, my friend. It's what it says on the label, right? Like you don't you don't need to you don't need to make it's, it anymore. That, that's man. that's what's so me- so wrong with so many ASX listed companies. If we can start on a tangent straight away, is that yes. when you read the company? So often, if you you know you're asked about a particular stock, and oh yeah, let's have a look. The first thing I always do is. Look at what the actual business does, and yeah. so many sort of ASX statements. It's you know leading the at the forefront and, and the intersection between crypto and lithium and the emerging trend evolving and blah. blah, blah. It's like just what the like I'm a four year old. Explain to me what the hell do you do? What do you sell? What do you sell people? Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> you know? If I was a customer, what would you try and sell, what would you try and
0: sell me? Yeah. yeah. So you know, if, you know what's f- I'm not gonna, I'm not going to come up with a different description for what's pretty pretty straightforward. I think that's I think too many companies don't do that <laughs> already. So what is it again? It's our online investment club. <laughs>
1: there we go. All right. Got that out of the way. Contract fulfilled. Um, mate, we do need more questions. So while I'm talking about you, while I'm talking about strawman.com, your website, I should mention I work for the Motley Fool, which is fool.com.au. Uh, let's share some socials. We want more questions for 2022. Mm. Dear Listen, we want you to top it. Last year was great. Let's make this year even better with even better questions, more questions, more um, questions, it's all the ball's in your court. It's all in your hands. If we keep doing this, it's going to be because you send us questions. If we stop, it's going to be because either you stop listening or we run out of questions or both. So don't stop listening, please. Do send us questions. You can hit and drop on Twitter at Sage underscore Simeon or at Strawman Invest if you're on the Twitters. Uh, if you're there, jump onto TMF Scott P on Twitter and Insta or The Motley Fool AU on both those platforms. And of course, as I've said before, Facebook. It's facebook.com slash Scott Phillips Money or facebook.com slash The Motley Fool Australia. And if you want to use email, if you have a long question, you simply just rather type my email. I get it. Uh, I, I do still prefer the old keyboard than the, the thumb bashing on the phone. Uh, so info, info at fool.com.au for your questions. The first one of which, see how smooth that was? Just straight through, People didn't even realize i made a change there. Uh, it's from Paul. Hello, Scott and Andrew. Love the tangents and the occasional (laughs) podcast coming out of those. I that box
0: already (laughs) early on.
1: (laughs) That's brilliant. Well done. Thank you, says Paul. Love it. I have a question on stocks that I may rate, but the market continually does not. At what point do you simply concede that Mr. Market is not wrong, but that I have it wrong, and that I am holding the sharp end of the stick? For me, it is the engineering company Wally. It has been linked to the oil market for years, but has now moved into other sectors, and has a large environmental or renewable focus. It makes contract news, but they seem to have no effect. It has wandered about like a lazy sine wave, I love a bit of, bit of maths there, uh, but has effectively ended up nowhere. So up and down, up and down, end up the same place. I'm trying to work out whether in this case, or whether in a case like this, generally here says in brackets, should I be looking to hold for what I think, or bow to the market, sell and redeploy that cash, or perhaps lighten the load, sell half for example. I'm not looking for specific advice, but how to approach such situations." So that, he's got a
0: second question, but that, that's his first That's an one, excellent right? so question. Excellent question. Isn't it a really good mm-hmm. question? Should we go? Oh, okay, we're <laughs> going to answer that now. Okay, so, yeah, let's do that. so I think, how do you know when you're uh, wrong and the market is right? Um, yep. Well, I, I would go back to, let's, I don't know when, when you would have bought, but um, let's. I've got the data in front of me here. So let's say you bought back in 2012 for Wally Parsons. Now mm-hmm. at that point in time, the company was making about $1.22 in net profit on a per mm-hmm. share basis. And it's a company that had been around for a while. And by the way, this is a profitable company, and and, and mm. always has been over this over the, up to then and since then. Um, mm. They pay out a, a good dividend, and and I, I suspect as a buyer of the stock at that point, you're. Mm your thesis would have been at some level that this thing is going to be a bigger and better company in the future than it is today. Right now, now whatever, whatever may be the case from today going forward, we can at least historically speak objectively here and say, well, but Mm -hmm. since Mm -hmm. 2013, the earnings then went to on a per share basis, went to a dollar, then to 75 cents, hung around (laughs) 80 cents for a couple of years, 59 today, fast forward, they're earning 47 cents a share. So, so the thesis was wrong. Um, now, so, so you see, that's you know you know which one which one got it wrong in that incident. It wasn't the market. It, it was you in that incident. And, and by the way, don't beat yourself up about it. It's going to happen, as we, we say a lot, it's going to happen yeah. a lot no matter who you are. So the question more pointedly is like, well, what do I do now? Well, so now you've just actually very hard to do, but we always say it. Mentally erase what's happened. Now you've got a company that's earning about $0.47 cents per share. And as a buyer or even someone who's going to continue holding this, your view has to be that this company is going to be either one of two things. It's going to be a bigger, better, more profitable company in the future. Or even if it just sort of continues to bumble along, things are just so darn cheap at the moment that I'm still going to get a decent (laughs) return out of it.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, And if you can't answer one of those two questions, get the hell out. You know, yep. it, it, that that's yep. that's really the nub of it. So it's really two questions. You were wrong. Whether you're still wrong to hold it will depend on on your formulation of the future. Mm. That's the hardest part, mate. Um, it's 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 being patient while the market. and I think the Paul's asking the
1: right question because yeah, look, I've been patient. I'm waiting for my thesis to play out. It doesn't seem to be actually working. The market's not liking it. Um, what do I do? And I think that's I agree with you, mate. the The, the, the only question you should be asking this short to medium term, Paul, is do I believe in this company? Do, do I have a thesis which says it's going to grow? Is that going to happen? Do I still think it's likely to happen? I've used the example before of Tesla shares that went literally nowhere for five years straight. Not, not only do they go, like, I mean, well, in hindsight, it looks like it went nowhere. They probably went up and down a little bit. There's a bit of volatility. But for most of that period, there was no meaningful share price appreciation despite the company doing what the company did. Now, I'm not a Tesla fan or a shareholder. Um, I like the cars. Um, so, but, you know, it's, so I'm not, it's I'm not good biased example, here. Though. But yeah, it went nowhere for five years. And eventually it started moving. When it did, it went through the roof. Now, you know you, you mentioned you've been hanging on a wall for a few years and, and the market's not liking it, those people who bought Tesla shares back then in theory, as long as we don't know what happens next by the way, which is still true, but at least as we see as we it here now, those people were right for those five years while the market was wrong, or at least hadn't yet caught up, or the circumstances played out the way you thought they would. and so that's why you've got to be a little bit careful not letting the market tell you when your thesis played out. Now eventually you have to have the market pay you a decent price for the, for the thesis you have because <laughs> if a business doubles its profit and the share price doesn't move, then yeah, you know, there's no point. You know, you're still not going to win anything or make any money anyway. Yeah. But more broadly, if your thesis is playing at a company level, you're in a pretty good place. You've got to pay a reasonable price for that. You could have bought Tesla at a million dollars a share and still lost money, even if the thesis had played out the way it has if you bought at too high a price. So the price matters. But if you think the future is bright from here, as interest not from then, but from here, uh, the fact the market hasn't moved in the meantime has got nothing to do with it. But to Andrew's point, (laughs) the results haven't been fantastic either. So it seems like thus far the market was right. You may well have been wrong, Paul. Um, No one likes to hear that or think that. I'm I'm certainly that same person. I hate being wrong. Um, But you look back and say, yep, you know what? I think I was wrong about that. But from here... Is it likely to do well in those areas? And, and likely not just could it possibly? Because it's the other part, right? You never like to sell something just in case it goes up after you sell. You know, dumb luck and jinxing and all that always kind of Always happens you know. to me. Drives, yeah, I've said that before. Yeah, we buy something, it falls, you sell something, it goes up. I knew I should hold on. Mm. That'll always get you, right? Hindsight, as we've said some other places either before or in the future, we may be looking into the future here. Um, we've said, you know, hindsight sure must be banned because it just, it just hates us. Uh, but look, no, don't, don't sell. I would the other thing I would, The only thing I would do is not sell half. There's no rational reason to sell half, right? If it's going to beat the market, hold on. If it's not going to beat the market, sell out. Having half is kind of like just it's it's the it's a compromise. And you look, like, you might be happy to make the compromise just for your own sanity, your own emotional well-being, and and you know being able to say, well, if it goes up, at least I held on to some. If it goes down, well, at least I sold some. That can be that can be enticing. If that's you, that's cool. But rationally, the question is just: at the current price, is is this future brighter than the market thinks, or not? And that's kind of the only question to ask. So put the past behind you. Now, the other thing I would say, though, if you're waiting for something to happen and it hasn't yet, you have to have a new thesis on why finally
0: it'll start to happen one way or the other. It was um, just, oh, look, it, it looked might, like quality company five yeah. years ago. That's not enough, right? Plenty of companies, look, turnarounds don't often turn, um, yes. first Buffett quote <laughs> of the day, um, uh-huh. but they, but they, do, but they do sometimes turn. You know, MSL is a company I've been following for a while. They had a really dramatic turnaround recently, and 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 as a consequence, people would have had a very rough ride there for a while, but have been mm-hmm. vindicated. And and those people yep. that saw the potential for that to turn around have made it made a hell of a lot of money, <laughs> at least at least so far. Yeah. So, it, it definitely don't want to extrapolate a bad track record. But that's the that, to your point, the question is where to mm. from mm. here. And I would actually layer onto that: it's actually more than just that. It's, it's more a question I think uh, uh, one of the big concepts that a lot of people miss experts included so-called professional mm-hmm. money mm-hmm. managers is this idea of, of opportunity cost So yeah. for whatever you might have a thousand bucks in Wally Parson you might have a hundred thousand dollars in Wally Parson but it, it's mm-hmm. not a question of how well is it going to do in this it's a question of how well could it do elsewhere for an yeah. equivalent or ideally even lower risk now I as, yeah. as, as an investor looking at the thousands of different options I've got on the market, would say, and I think this is where people misunderstand me sometimes, so I wouldn't buy that. And they go, oh, he he hates that company, thinks it's a bad company. (laughs) It's like, well, actually, no, it's, it's not that. I yeah. just think that there are better companies out there available yes. at a more attractive price, and that's always got to be the lens you look through. And I think too many people hold very mediocre investments. Again, they're not terrible. <laughs> they're not terrible investments. Right, they're not. Right, they're, right. they're not terrible companies. They're not. But is that the best risk-adjusted return exposure? Mm. Just just to mm. nerd out for a second. That's that's the that's <laughs> the real question there. The best risk-adjusted return potential, um, you know. So. And conviction plays into that as well. So there might be something that looks about the same, but you just yeah. might have much, much, much higher confidence in in, in achieving that that future. So yeah, that, that that's the real question to my mind.
1: I like that, Matt. I like that a lot.
0: Let's get another another one. Um, I, I like this one from Adam. This is a this is
1: a bit kind of Motley Fool shareholder uh, share advisor specific, but it's worth talking about because it talks about some other stuff. we'll get we'll get to it. Um, so we'll try and not do too long. Uh, hey, Captain and Rampage. Says Adam, greetings from the Iron Dome Nation, New Zealand. I don't know what the Iron Dome Nation reference is. Do you know that one? don't think I do. All right. Uh, Adam, let us know. Been listening for a few years now. He says, I love your work, especially the rants. Rampage is doing a great job. <laughs> I don't, no, no, don't, don't want to hear that. Uh, he's doing a great job. He says, how cool would... <laughs> Now to my question. I've been an SA member for a few years now and have built up a sizable portfolio. Nice work. A few weeks back, you answered a question about buying all the recommendations. With one new rec each month and the five best buys now... I'm finding it hard to keep up. How would you decide whether to buy the latest rec or top up an existing holding? The brokers will kill me if I split my monthly contribution into six. Keep fighting the good fight and generally being awesome. Thanks, Adam. Appreciate it. Um, I'll give a really quick answer, Ram. You can throw your thoughts in and sure. we'll I It's a bit inside baseball for the service. I'm happy to answer it, but just mindful that not everyone is listening or is uh, is subscribed to the service. and That's fine. Uh, Adam, here's the thing. Our latest recommendation every month is our best idea every month. It's the one we're saying is goes on our scorecard as a new position it's the one that adds to our total return or lack thereof. Um, so far, we're doing a really good job of beating the market, but past performance is no guarantee, of course, as they always say and as I should say. Um, so that's, that's an easy one. The, the easy one is if you're following the service, buying the monthly recommendation is the best way to get the same results as the service, at least from this point. That's just the way, the way it goes. Um, the best buyers now are effectively an additional buy list. It's saying, okay, well, of, of everything else, including always our latest rec, what are the best ideas from the scorecard in general? All uh, of our buyers. So it's the latest, latest rec plus four more. Um, it's just extra buy ideas. So the honest answer is if you're looking to take our best idea, the, the one that's following the service, buy the monthly rec. Uh, if you want more ideas, buy the best buyers now. If you want to do everything one thing every month, then, again, I can't say what you should do, but the service is designed so that our members can buy just that one rec. And that's what I would recommend to all of our members as a, as a general piece of advice. Um, but we like the Best Buys Now. Um, lots of good stocks here. If you've got extra capital to deploy, if you're catching up, or if you missed some earlier, earlier picks, um, if you want to diversify your portfolio, if you just like those ideas better, um, Best Buys Now are great if you don't like the monthly rec sometimes. you know. Again, we say, look, if you want the returns from the service, pick the, follow the service entirely. But if you're not going to or don't want to, or you don't like that idea, you don't like it for whatever reason, Hopefully, the best buys now give you more other things to buy. So that, that that's the answer in terms of the way we've structured the service. Ram, do you have any other thoughts? No, it makes perfect sense. All right, let's move on just to keep it uh, keep moving. Uh, Lewis, I think it's Lewis or Louis. I'm going to say Lewis, but I, I apologise, Lewis, if I mispronounced your name. Uh, D. Scott and Ram. Before we get started, Scott, I know you hate. To receive and read out compliments,
0: <laughs> oh, I, he's, got, do, a, but he's got a very good point. Mostly. You do, you do uh, oh, eat yeah, that yeah. particular pudding. Oh, we try,
1: we try and be, we try and read out this question for Adam Andrew. I don't, I don't, we don't censor anything. it would be, be horrible to start it. I call you Adam then, Andrew. Um, I read Adam's <laughs> name on the screen. Uh, we uh, we, don't, we don't censor things here at the Motley for Money. We're all about we're all about really unvarnished truth. Sharing from our listeners, so I, I couldn't possibly censor your <laughs> comment, Lewis. I'll just read it as he as writes it. I want you to know the wise words of the Motley Fool Money podcast have benefited me and I'm sure the wider community greatly through, my, through very difficult times over the past few years and I'm financially much better off for it. So thank you and keep up the good work. Well, if you said so. Mm-hmm. Uh, now to my question. To set the scene, I must admit first I made an error in March 2020. In hindsight, I regret not putting more money into the market. I got spooked by the media, I don't blame you, and didn't stick to my convictions on businesses I wanted to buy into, so I didn't. Lesson learned for the next market crash. So, he says, in light of some recent big daily pullbacks following news of the Omicron variant, I got thinking. As you mentioned many times on the podcast, the Vanguard Index chart plots countless world events which caused a market crash. Yet in the long term, events stabilise, businesses adapt, and markets grow. So this is really cool, mate. I love the thinking. He's obviously got a mathematical brain loss. Mm-hmm. So each time we navigate an event, such as a world war, terrorism, pandemic, financial crisis, or God forbid Donald Trump's leadership, <laughs> yeah. I'll take that as a comment, as Tony Jones would say, this surely reduces the uncertainty or increases the certainty of future cash flows, i.e. there's now one less item on the theoretical bear list which could stop us progressing. If so... It follows then that, assuming all industries remain apples for apples after each event, this reduction in uncertainty should actually push up business valuations higher, even higher than before, he says, in order to account for the now reduced risk factor. Businesses continue to prove that their future cash flows are more certain than we previously gave them credit for. So, am I naive to think that what doesn't kill us makes us at worst even stronger and at best even more valuable over the long term? Perhaps this thing will help me obtain that extra conviction to be greedy when others are fearful, in quotes, in the midst of the next crash, whenever it comes. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Thanks again and full on, Lewis. I love the thinking that went into this question, mate. Mm. It's a really clever way to think about probabilities and events and that kind of stuff. Yep. What do you say, mate? Is, is, is he right? Uh, do we should we be more, more, more certain now than we were a year and a half ago? I think I think in the sentiment
0: and the general idea of just invest despite all of these scary things that have popped up, that, that's that's definitely correct. The trouble with the, I guess the, well, my my trouble with the logic is is that okay, one mm-hmm. of these once these events pass, there's there's one less thing to worry about. The trouble is is that something new will replace that. <laughs> yeah. So before the pandemic, we had, we'd we'd overcome the GFC, we'd overcome mm-hmm. other mm-hmm. issues, but then then the pandemic came out of nowhere. And this is a point mm-hmm. that Nicola, uh, that Taleb makes um, in a lot of his books is that a lot of statistical reasoning just doesn't really apply in a lot of situations. So we've we've we in terms of the data set of all future possible catastrophes, we mm, actually mm. we actually don't know what, what it is. If we're pulling a you know a, a marble out of a bag one at a time <laughs> and they're all white and there's a black mm, one in there that mm. can wipe us all all sort of out, we don't know how many yeah. marbles are in the bag. So there might only right. be two in which case there's a really good chance that something else comes along or maybe there's a million and once we pass or you know mm-hmm. it, it just mm-hmm. the, the that's that's where I think you've got to be careful. So yes it's great mm-hmm. and this is it actually really irks me a lot that so many Brokers and so-called experts always will, will say during times of high volatility. oh, look, the right thing to mm. do now is to sell out and sit in the, and wait for certainty to, to to return and wait for volatility to go. It's like, well, tell me a time when there's ever been mm. certainty and when volatility hasn't been around. Like, I know it's a relative. Mm. I know it's a relative thing, but as far as I, I never remember a time when markets weren't at least to some degree volatile. Yeah. And as soon as yeah. and as soon as any great scary uncertain thing sort of passes, well, one, no one ever rings a bell. To to say, oh, it's over mm-hmm. now. It's, it's always mm-hmm. something that only in hindsight you really do regard as truly past. And some of these things can have lingering effects for, for a while. You just, mm. you just don't know what the next thing is that's, that's going to crop up. So, and, and it will be replaced. The, the financial media has to keep talking about something, and it likes to talk about the big scary things, and not, not for entirely silly reasons. But, mm-hmm. but if you if you wait for those calm waters, you'll <laughs> never invest because you'll never get them. Exactly.
1: Exactly. Yeah, I think, I think it's the um, – giving you us a kind of fun theoretical question, the, the fun theoretical answer is that um, the things that are possible in 100 years' time are worth almost zero, positive or negatively, when it comes to discounting cash flows. Because we discount the future value of all our money, mm. you know, a dollar to me today is worth a lot more than a dollar to me in 100 years' time. Yeah, For inflation and other reasons, I just want the money now and I like it more now and I can earn other returns in the meantime if I don't use that dollar now, all that kind of stuff. Um, but every year – the, the the year 20, let's go back to, let's, I was, well, uh, where do we go? Let's go, let's go to year 2000, right? In year 2000, something that was going to happen in 2050 was 50 years away. And so it wasn't really worth much. By 2021, that's only 29 years away. It's suddenly become worth a lot more. And so to Andrew's point, well, something replace it, doesn't only replace it in, in the sense of, uh, he's right, by the way, in terms of just random chance and butterflies flapping their wings in the Amazon all that kind of stuff, like just stuff will happen that we don't expect or do expect. But the range of those things, because you add a year to the next – if we're measuring 100-year lots, as you move forward a year, you lose a year's worth of actuals. And So let's let's almost go back to, uh, to, to, uh, to 1918, right, the Spanish flu. Every year we went past that went, oh, that's not going to happen again for another 100 years. But every year closer made the next COVID event, as it turns out, more likely, statistically. Mm. And so even though we got through one, there's another coming. So there's that, and I think that's important. The second part of your question, though, is about the fact of the, 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 the pure fear discount which is, oh my God, if a thing happens, it could hurt the market slash democracy slash capitalism slash whatever, this company. And I think that's a really good point, Lewis, which is the investing sentiment piece, which is actually, we know what, businesses tend, quality businesses in particular and markets in general, tend to survive and thrive during and after these things. And that's something that's really worth knowing for you. Does it make stocks worth more? Not really. What it does do is should next time we have a crash, as you said yourself, mean that when the market falls 38%, you can say to yourself, that's ridiculous. There is no way on God's green earth that it's likely that two th- two-fifths of the value of every company in the world are now permanently worth 40% less because of a pandemic. It's much more likely they're worth one or 2% less because there's going to be a couple of years of disruption or 5% less or 10% less. So Did- If you get those big falls, that's the bid. When the market overreacts, they're the bits in my mind that you you can take advantage of Um I don't, I don't think you should expect the market to get get it because I don't think it will. Um, but there's always, you know, the next 100 years, there's, there's always there's always the next 100 years. And each year, the next 100 years just goes, gets pushed out by a year. And so there's always those, those once a 100 year, then once in a decade, once in every five years, once a year, things will happen. You just change, you're just measuring over a different time frame. Plus, the, as a, just a pure random chance that Ram talks about.
0: I just add one more quick thing too, and what we said, which was really great um, in terms of uh, the lesson learned from March, 2020. Um I just I'd, be, I'd also be careful with that. I'm, I'm not trying to throw cold water over everything because um, there there is a really great lesson in that, and that and that is that p- periods of of um, great uncertainty there are, there are great opportunity. The trouble mm-hmm. is is that each bear market is a little bit different. So what, while it may have been very obvious now that March 2020 we should have all backed up the truck at that point in time, mm-hmm. it was only it was only in a month or six weeks or so since we started worrying about COVID coming to Australia. And yeah. it, it could have been that the bottom was actually in December 2020 or now. Yeah. And it could have been another 50% below from there. So, again, it's this, side, no one ever rings a bell at the bottom. So all yeah. I'm all I'm urging here in terms of caution is, is that it, you often say, Scott, that you, you, the problem with, um, what is it, generals fighting the last war? Yes. And, and the, if you take that lesson of March 2022 literally, the lesson will be, <laughs> Six weeks mm. into a crash and thirty percent down—that's the point you buy. I know, I know. Lewis yeah. isn't saying yeah. this. I know. So I'm not yeah, I'm not yeah, putting words yeah. in your mouth, but but just just to make yeah. that yeah. that point, that the next bear market we have could—and some of them have lasted for years—and some mm-hmm. of the, the drawdown mm-hmm. has been fifty percent and not thirty percent. And not saying, I'm not yeah. making any predictions here. I'm just saying, <laughs> we will definitely have more corrections and bear markets and crashes. Absolutely. But it, yeah. it, history history rhymes, but it doesn't repeat. I think that's a Mark yes. Twain. Maybe it's not, <laughs> but it's a great saying. And I think. I think you need to remember that with with the next crash. The very fact that it is a crash is because no one knows, (laughs) no no one's going to know what's happening. That was the GFC. It's like, how? They they were very smart people. Forecasting a, a much wider systemic crash of the, of the monetary, global monetary system. That, that's why things were so ridiculously cheap. Things were so cheap in March 2020. It was you sort of say now? Oh, you know, a pandemic was never going to wipe off that much of more than a couple of years' earnings. Well, you know what? If it was like the movie Contagion, and it, you know, if it was, this was something that killed one in three people, you know, it, it could have been. In fact, it could have been. Yeah. It could have been Mad Max type scenario. Now, obviously, that's laughable today. Mm-hmm. But my point is, at that point in time. These were tail risks, but not the the, op, the the probability wasn't zero. And so, so the next time we have a crash, it'll be something that is really freaking us out, and it, we <laughs> we actually won't know yeah. with great accuracy yeah. how we actually come out the other side of it. That's why yeah. it's cheap, and, and 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 this is what makes it all so difficult. It, hindsight is is twenty twenty, and and the next uh, it's a regret. I've actually been I'm old enough now that I've lived through <laughs> three major market. Crashes, so the .dot com, uh, the GFC, mm-hmm. and, and COVID, and a lot of a lot of corrections along the way. And I have misplayed every single one of them. <laughs> <laughs> now I got I better got and better it. at it. I got better <laughs> and better at it, and I've definitely been, <laughs> been been adding money in all of those scenarios. But when I look back, yep. the the regret yep. <laughs> wasn't so much one of timing, although often <laughs> well, almost always I was too early or a little bit too late. But it was that I didn't act strongly enough. So I was like, okay, I I know, I know the right thing to do is to add money. I know the right thing to do. And and I was, but I look back and think, Oh my God, in terms of what I could have done, I didn't do (laughs) nearly as much. And, and so I I just speak, I just speak from experience Lewis that um, Mm. it's, it's going to be harder at that time than you, than you think Mm, it's, mm, than mm. you think it is. (laughs) And that goes for every single person. Yeah, for sure. I think that's a really
1: good point, mate. I think I think my my point wasn't so much we should have known it was the bottom. My point is that it was very very unlikely that it wasn't over. Oh, I know what
0: you're saying. No, I didn't want to. And more yes, to the point, yeah. that
1: over over time, it was remarkably also unlikely that we didn't recover most or all, and probably more of what it lost. Yes. So the, the further the market fell, the less lo- the, the the more likely it was that you were being offered a, a, a an. A, um, an underpriced opportunity. Yes. You'll be you're being offered a you're being offered a good deal. The further it fell, the better the deal. Well, not, not well,
0: that well to give you should have known it was the bottom or that it recover so quickly. To, Just that that's how it goes. To give an alternate history, maybe in March twenty twenty it still had another twenty percent further to fall and True. maybe it stayed yep. there for another six months. Your yes. your point would be, okay, that sucks. And this is my point as well. Like oh yeah, I could have played that better. But the point is actually you're still okay for having Correct. you're exactly. still That's okay exactly for having yeah. done that. Yeah. I just I guess the point I wanted to make was that it's 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 always gonna be much, much, much mm. more difficult. And mm. you're almost guaranteed to mistime it. And and if you and the biggest mistake of all, you're almost almost certain not to to prosecute that opportunity as as yes. as severely as you should. <laughs> Yes.
1: I have – so just just confession time. I have talked to a lot about – so we 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 have uh, – we've talked – in the past we've talked a lot about individual financial positions and I've made the point before that I have more money in the offset account than rationally – Technically, purely, if I if I was a Vulcan uh, from from Vulcan if I was Spock, um, then I would have because. But you know family reasons, for comfort reasons, for stability reasons, for just peace of mind reasons, sleep at night reasons. We have money in the offset that I would prefer to have, mm. and that that's. So I've said that for ages. Um, I also said when the market crashed. I've said I think I'm, I'm sure I said publicly. I certainly said to my wife, "Hey, if and when we get the opportunity, we should go and take some money out of that offset at the at the appropriate time. Back up the truck, kind of suck up the suck up the feeling for a bit of time. Put that all to work, and then do whatever." Yep. And I, I don't. It's funny, you know, Time is a funny thing. it months later, almost two years later now, actually, I can't really specifically recall my clear thinking. But I didn't do it. Now I did. I had no access, investment cash left over. I spent all invested all that. Um, some at two higher prices, some at decent prices. Um, uh, so you know, but I, so I, I used all the cash. I did. I didn't. I didn't back up the truck. But I, I emptied the piggy bank. Mm. But what I didn't do was raid the offset. Yes. Right. So at some point. Uh, you know, could I have, should I have? Yeah, and, I, and I, it happened really quickly. The, the fall and the recovery were really fast. So I'm giving myself half a half a free pass, a little bit, I assume a little bit like Warren Buffett actually because he spent almost nothing during that crash and you go, man, how did you not? I'm sure part of it was it was so quick, government intervention was so swift that there was not a lot of distressed assets to go around in, in
0: the And event. the health story clarify although it was very bad, it, it did, again, it, it did pull up well short of the potential worst case Right, well. it wasn't contagion,
1: yeah. correct, yes. So, you know, and all, the only reason I say that is because um, you know even even with I, I think I've got a pretty cast iron stomach, I think I'm pretty ready to, to use that money in the circumstances I just didn't know and, and that, that's cost me you know additional a money. Had I put money to work in any point during that time the market's now higher, uh, it would have been an easy an easy one.
0: Yep. Modly full money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at full.com.au forward/ slash listener.
1: Let's go to a question from Steve, mate. He says, hi, gents. Long-time listener and subscriber to multiple Motley Fool services. He says, 10-odd years. We are now, I think I might have said before, mate, we are now over 10 years at Motley Fool Share Advisor, our very first service. So i uh, pretty stoked about that. Congrats. I thank you for your help in educating me for those 10 years, he says, through your various newsletters and platforms. I was a total novice when I first subscribed, and the Fool has helped me build quite a decent portfolio. Can you please give me an understanding, he says, on recent large falls... In the share prices of betmakers and catapult. Now before I can't, I, I can't get away saying, from catapult. No, you can't. Well, I will preface this by saying we're recording this meaningfully in advance. So um, I think, mate, rather than let's let's try and just be as time insensitive as we can possibly be without ignoring the question. Mm-hmm. Uh, We know what's going to happen between now and then. Uh, Frankly, circumstances may have justified or not justified uh, the the falls in prices. The whole of stuff could, could have gone on. So, just really, really, really clearly, I don't do this very often, but we're not giving you current. Uh, thoughts on the company or their values because we don't just don't know what the share price is going to be by then, or what if any announcements have come out between recording this and you hearing it. So, with with that, with that, mate, mm. um, your thoughts on just the volatility of those two companies if, if you know
0: them? I'm not overly familiar with betmakers, um, Catapult, okay. I just on so many podcasts and I just just because I've I've said publicly before I own shares in it and I've given the bull case <laughs> recently we had the executive chairman come and give us a talk at Strawman and stuff so I feel, nice. it feels as though I'm talking about it a lot I just and I I'm really If you not talking about crypto make you talk about catapult Put it I that just way. I, it's it's actually relative to my overall portfolio it's probably 4 5% mm-hmm. or something like that but you know what I mean I just I don't I mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of become the catapult guy so all I would say <laughs> all I would say is Steve is um I for me I don't really know why the market doesn't like Catapult mm-hmm. at the moment. At a high level, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're transitioning from a capital sales model to a subscription. And without going into the, mm-hmm. the details mm-hmm. there, it just means you get less capital up front and all you your costs are borne up front. So, from an accounting standpoint, the revenue growth doesn't look that good. Um, and that's mm-hmm. probably impacting the valuation of it a little bit. I would say, in terms of their annualized contract value, which is a which is a very good lead indicator of what revenue will do, and more telling of the new uh, model, the sales model that they they're prosecuting. That's grown 43%. The business is, is, yep, awesome. is really well positioned. So I, I don't get it. I don't get it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, please don't run out and buy Catapult just because of that very short <laughs> statement. Don't. A lot of people don't like it. So, you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> find out what the bears are saying as well. But but that's totally. – I actually would say, Steve, not just to make it about that company. This happens a lot. Pushpay is another yep. company where this has happened to for me recently as well. Yeah. Um it, mm, even so, let's talk about some of the real winners here. It's like I, I've, mm. I'm happy to tell anyone I bought shares in Caterpillar, uh, Primaticus, really, really early, but that fell thirty percent and hung there for like three years mm. or something. You know, at one point, and I just they go through these periods. And the question yeah. that we always come back to this point, which is just such a fundamental <laughs> point, though the, the question is whether. The market is wrong, or you're wrong, and and yeah, I would say yeah, at totally. this point for some of these, it looks like the market is wrong. <laughs> but but if yeah, we if we're talking yeah. in a couple of years time and sales haven't yeah. materially grown, the company continues to bleed cash, then absolutely the market is right, and that's that's what you've got to that's what you've got to look at. Yeah, um, I'm
1: gonna I don't know this company very well, so I'm gonna add some general thoughts and we'll move on. Um, first thing I would say is we'd never ask ourselves why the market why the shares went up. <laughs> so, so part you know, I looked at the three year share chart for, for Catabot just for fun while you were chatting, Andrew, and it's been a really rocky ride. It sure has. And yeah. we don't tend to say to ourselves, Oh, look, I'm wondering why the shares have gone up. We assume that we're right, so the shares have gone up. Mm. And when we're wrong, we're like, Well, what's the market missing? Mm. And that's that's not that's not a criticism of anyone, including you, Andrew, or, or anyone who asks us a question, um, including Steve. It's it's just a straight out. Just, just, making, just reminding ourselves, trying to, look, trying to mirror our own brains and reminding ourselves we ask those questions. So there's that. Um, we don't ask, why, why did the shares go up? Or uh, we don't ask, were they too expensive back then? We say, what's happened since? It was $2.20, now it's $1.50. Uh, what's happened, you know, why, why are the shares down? And the answer could be they were too expensive then or they're too cheap now or both. Mm. It can be because their company's announced something or that the sentiment in the market has changed or both. Um, and I think... To some degree, I think it's – I'm going I'm to say kindly and softly, Steve, I think it's the wrong question. Um, Andrew's favourite quote, I think it's your favourite quote, mate. What did J.P. Morgan say about the market?
0: Uh, it can remain irrational longer than you can remain solvent. Is it that no, one? The, one. What, what, the, the forecast question. Oh, what, what oh, when the facts change, I change my mind. No, the other one. Oh, God. This is great. <laughs> it will. <laughs> J.P.
1: Morgan. Uh, I've gone blank. What, what, what will the market do? It will – Oh, it will fluctuate. There we That's go. The so, That's the forecast. That's the forecast. So you should expect that things will fluctuate. So, you know, why why do shares go down? Because they do. Why do shares go up? Because they do. Um, and, but I think the more important one is looking at it and, and trying to rationalise it for its own sake relative to two arbitrary price points, a a higher price and a current price or a lower price and a current price, Kind of you're kind of falling into the market's trap. You know, it's kind of when the politicians – uh, you know the politicians just either Julia goes to say I refuse to accept the premise of your question. Uh, less honest politicians just say whatever they were going to say anyway, regardless of the question. Uh, Mr Prime Minister, what do you think about the, the problems in Russia? I think China really needs to stop giving us a hard time on our wine exports. But Prime Minister asked about Russia. Yes, and I think it's important that people go back to work. But but what about Russia, sir? The, the, you know the, the way that it, 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 don't play the markets game, right? The market is saying to you, look at this chart, look at what's recently happened. What do you reckon? Right, um, we've talked about house price a lot. You don't get your house price quoted every minute of every day, five days a week, six hours a day. No, you go, mad. Which is not every minute or every day, as it turns out. It's just six hours a day and five days a week. But uh, uh, you know, like it, it, it's, I, I, I get it, and I, I've, I've wanted to say myself. I'm not, I'm not saying I don't do it because I do because it's human nature. But the only question you really should be asking, and I know it's harder when the price is down because you've got red ink on your portfolio. Maybe you've lost money, or maybe you've just made less than you had previously. Is just, hey, is it all forty nine? Which is the current price when we're recording, so I don't know what it is by then. A good price for the shares, uh, you know. Now, now the, the the answer might be the same. It might be a case. Andrew might have said, actually, the company came up with a really really crappy set of results, and the outlook's terrible, and they're having their lunch eaten by Apple, who's moved into sports analytics. Mm. So, oh, uh, okay, right. So, it's not not a problem to say, you know, it's not the, the if the answer if if answering that question leads you to say, is there any company news I need to know <laughs> that might have changed the value proposition? That's a great question. Uh, just maybe, okay, I won't I won't keep banging on, but just just. Try if you can not to try and answer the question of why has it fallen, in the sense of, um, uh, you know, letting the market tell you that you must analyse a company based on its recent share price movements. Mm. You want to look forward and say, is there any reason why Catapult is worth less than a dollar forty nine, or whatever the price is by the time this goes to air? And if the answer is no, then great. Uh, but whether it's gone up from a dollar to a dollar fifty, or down from two dollars to a dollar fifty, the question should be exactly the same. Is it attractive at the current
0: price? Not. Why has it gone up or why has it gone down? I'd also add a good point, and also add to that. And this is going to sound like a victory lap, and it, it's not because there's this, oh, this, God, this is this good. is yeah. not a good no. It's not. It's not, it's, it's not like there's there's the Ethereum again. There's better. There's. I'd rather talk about things that have worked out <laughs> even better. But as though Catapult yes, has exactly. been a disappointing. Uh, it, it, and, and if you'd asked me a couple mm. of years mm. ago, how how do you think this company it evolving? It hasn't evolved as, as well as yeah. I'd like. But what's yeah. been interesting about it to the very point of the volatility you speak of. Mm. So. Yeah. I I first bought back in 2015, right? But yeah, over right. that time, again, you bring up the chart. Okay, it looks good. Oh, it's gone from 50-odd cents to where it is now. Overall, it's good. But it actually mm, got up to mm, 4 mm. bucks at one stage, and then it went down right, right. below $0.70 cents on a couple of occasions. So, again, mm, I don't know right. what the future holds for this, and this is just for as, to, to paint an example here. But I've actually had – and I've taken advantage of multiple opportunities to, to buy at those far-discounted prices. And I actually sold nice, some yeah. above $2.30. Uh, back in mm. back in 2017, um, it's, so you you have you have the market doing what it's done, and your point is kind of like, don't mm-hmm. worry about it too much if the business is, is on track, which is true. Mm-hmm. And I would just layer on top of that that actually you can sometimes take advantage of it. It's the old it's the old um, yeah, absolutely Ben Graham or Buffett analogy of Mr. Mark uh, Ben Graham the, yep. the, the the Mr. Market knocking on your door every day, and you've got the option to slam the door in his face. He says, "Hey, I want to buy your shares mm-hmm. for this much." Boom, slam yep. the door. I want to sell. You know, this. boom. You, you you don't have to to listen to him. But sometimes, Mm. even though your intention is as a long-term holder, he'll just knock on the door and say, actually, (laughs) I'll sell you some of my shares for half of what, what they were a year ago. It's Like oh, oh okay actually come on in I'm up now I'm happy to talk to you and sometimes you'll be in this ridiculously great mood oh, I want to I want to buy them off you for four dollars a share i like oh I really like this company but I okay yeah I, I, maybe it's a bit silly that's too good an offer to refuse ninety nine percent of the time you'll slam the door in, in his face as I say but but even my point being is that even even with all of that frustration that can come with with share prices and what they do therein does lie some opportunity as well mm. nice love it from Steve to Stephen. Hi, Scott and Ram. I thought Doc
1: shoes would be too big to fill, but I was wrong. Loving the dynamic between you two. There's enough compliments already this year, Ram. I'm, I'll put it. <laughs> That's that, really I nice. that It is. And well, well-deserved too, mate. I'm particularly loving the conversations around cryptocurrencies <laughs> oh, with Ram. Talk er, about, talk about
0: something I can't escape from. <laughs>
1: Wait, here he says, with Ram earnestly describing the Emperor's new clothes, while Scott gives a disbelieving,
0: mmm, mm,
1: in the background. That's <laughs> about right, Seven. Now to my question. Oh, no. And it's to Ram, he says, Dear, dear. You've often quoted Nicholas Taleb, who has written many wonderful books on risk and investing. How do you reconcile your belief in crypto with Taleb's opinion that Bitcoin has failed as a currency without government, as a hedge against inflation, and as a safe haven investment? You know, Toby, he said, the cryptomania is like the tulip bubble. Discuss, he Mm -hmm. says. He says, P.S., sorry for being a dag and using email. Mate, you are amongst fellow dags, or at least I'm a fellow dag, so I don't apologise at all, mate. There's something about the keyboard and the big screen, just easier. Uh, Kind regards and best wishes for the festive season. Thank you, mate. That's from Stephen. Come on, mate. If you, uh, Ram versus Taleb, you really reckon you're right and he's wrong? Come on. Uh, come on. Yeah, oh, there's a lot of
0: there's a lot of really smart people that that uh, don't like it. Um, Charlie Munger was off a long run in December. Oh, about yeah, really. Does, uh, Rabini doesn't like uh, a b- bunch of really smart people that I fully respect don't like it. And mm-hmm. this is this is this is true of a lot of things actually, <laughs> um, not not just crypto. So so in, just to answer the specific points, there um, mm. is it a Failed currency? Yeah, I think it is. I don't think it's got much at this point in time. A much mm-hmm. use case there as well. Is it a hedge against inflation, potentially? But not not at this point in time. Is it a safe haven investment? God no. So if that's what Taleb's issue is, then I, I fully agree with him. So this is this is we had this conversation just off air. Is that is that <laughs> there is there is. Um, very immature debate around all of this kind of stuff. You're either a maximalist that's just, oh, I'm all in, this is going to solve, this is going mm. to change the world. And you've got people that this is a, this is a total uh, scam. And I think both are wrong. I, I think there's there's some kind of complicated truth in between all of that. And mm. <laughs> it's not a status, this is not what podcasts and media and, and opinion pieces is, is kind of sell, but I feel as though that's the kind of truth in it. So yeah. But, you know, whenever someone sort of comes up to me and goes, "Oh, you're wrong about this," oh, maybe I am. <laughs> I don't know. I just think it's really. I think there's a lot of interesting stuff to it, and I think to dismiss the whole lot out of hand is mm. is just as reckless as is diving in. You know, or all in. Um, it's complicated.
1: It is, mate, and it's um, it's challenging because I think, and you've mentioned before the the, the kind of partisan. Uh, Extremization, which is made up as a word of of thought and belief and discussion on this one mm. um, because there'll be some people who would be outright wrong Yeah, there are some people who are saying look I can see why it might work there are some saying look I'm not sure it's going to work there are some people at the very, very end saying this is the best thing ever and this is the stupidest thing ever and it's a lot in between as you say mm. and so I, I have no truck with Taleb either way I don't, I don't necessarily support him or his views or, or dislike him or his views um, I think experts get overquoted, quoted uh, and they're often, too often asked for their views on stuff and I'm not sure whether uh, you know it's decent or not to have that view. I, again, I don't know for sure. But I would say it's one of those situations where, in my mind at least, um, it, it, we haven't proven that out yet. I mean, this is, we're in the early innings, right? When someone discovers gold, someone else says, oh, that's going to be a store of value. And someone says, how can we store of value? we, we, we keeps going up and down every time someone finds a new bit of gold. Now
0: there's a great sketch. on that, years by later, four and five hundred years one later, one of our listeners shared on Twitter to in reply to one of your uh, tweets. I think just anyway, continue. Very, very good. Sk- it's it. exactly that skit though. It's just like, hey, it's this thing right. called gold. What? <laughs> oh yeah, you yeah. can mine it, and I can give it to you, and you know, it's a sort of it just it shows you how laughable the whole thing is. But yeah, continue. Right, but but it's also true that in, in the early days of that,
1: it would have been super. Fluctu- it would have super fluctuated in price because it wasn't generally widely. By correct. the
0: way, gold does not, fluctuate I'm, in price a lot, anyway.
1: <laughs> but, oh, but, I, but I'm, talking, I'm talking Bitcoin levels, yeah. right? Like it would have been one cent at one point, then it was. 10 cents yeah. and then it was half a cent, then it was 40 cents, then it was two cents, then it was, you know, it, it made it and then it was like tulips. Then it was a million dollars and then it was $5. And Then it was $4 and, and eventually became worth the current price, which is probably, I don't know, two and a half grand. I don't know what it is an ounce. Mm. Um, that That's kind of, so my, my point broadly is that we're in the early days of that. I'm not, I, I don't, I don't. I personally, I don't think it's investable. I wouldn't invest in it as an investment personally. I know you disagree, around, which is cool. That's why I'm. I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just. But even that's not like back up the truck or stay the hell away. There's there's, there's subtlety in that. Which is right, there which too, my point right? because yeah. we are in the early stages. Yeah. Like we're, we're we're in those early gold stages, and maybe it's gold, and maybe it's not. And I want to say maybe it's gold. I mean, in a good way, not a bad yeah. way. In this sense, in that the first person who found gold said, "Do you want this?" The other coach said, "No, I don't want that for it. it's useless." Mm. It's not worth anything. You can't you can't buy anything with it. You know it's hard to mine. Uh, you know all the reasons why you like, like people don't like Bitcoin today. And it may well be that those people are right because this might be the tulip, which literally was worth everything and then nothing. So if this is tulip 2.0 or probably 10.0, then yeah, hugely overpriced. Yep. If this is Gold 2.0, then hey, there's only twenty one million coins available. Maybe this is worth an absolute truckload. and there's zeros on the price. Yep. I don't know the answer, and I have a view on the answer. I'm just making the point that, um, in your defence, to some degree, you've been—you uh, are painted as Mister Crypto. You, you've been—you've been saying, "Look, I think it's worth something. And I'm happy to have some exposure to it, but I'm not sure." Um, I think that's a more—it's a more, much more useful view, frankly, than even I, I love Charlie Munger to death. But it's more useful than Munger's. It's more useful than Taleb's. I think, and well, I would say this right. I think my my view, for what it's worth, is more useful than theirs even if I'm wrong, mm. because I'm not saying... Because the problem is once you paint an extreme view, you can't come back from it. Yeah. If you're all in on Bitcoin, how do you go from that to, yeah, Bitcoin's rubbish? Mm. I I'm, I'm, just caught some controversy. I'm going to reckon there's a few 60-year-old priests who 15 years ago realized or believed, changed their belief to, to believe that the, the faith they have, the God they believe in doesn't exist, right? Mm-hmm. But what do you do? You've been a priest for 42 years. You, you kind of go... Well, I guess I I guess I'm. I can't. The emotional investment is, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And so, and, or maybe and maybe God's real. I don't want to get in that conversation. I was going to say you're going into definitely. dangerous territory here. Oh, man, yeah. seriously. Anyway, but the same with the atheists, right? Like mm-hmm. the atheists aren't going to go and say, I oh, might go and take an open mind. I might go to the church and find out if there is this God thing because they've spent so long convincing themselves so it's not real. Now, if you're a Taleb or you're a hyper crypto guy or girl, the chance you're going to actually open enough to change your mind as the circumstances it was just so remote, and that's a really, really stupidly useless thing to do. I didn't buy iron ore miners for the first twenty five years of my investing career. I bought one this year, last year. Sorry, mm-hmm. now. Um, You know, and again, I'm not I'm not proud of myself as a genius. I, I, you know, there are there are reasons why I, I might be a complete mistake, complete mistake. Um, but it's it's just worth thinking that through because you want to be open enough to say as. Uh, Galbraith, I think it was, wasn't it? When the, no, who was it? Oh, who was it? We're missing out on our quotes. Uh, when the facts change, I change my mind. What do you do? And, and you want, want to be that person. You don't want to be, when the facts change, I stick desperately to my convictions because my self-belief and self-worth and identity is so wrapped up in my view that I can't possibly change because yeah. that's dangerous.
0: I just added to that too. There's this very big umbrella term when you say crypto. Like is, are we talking oh, yeah. NFTs? Are we talking the underlying blockchain yeah. technology? Are we talking altcoins? Are we talking yes, Ethereum? Yes. You know, what, what are we talking about here? I would go as far to say in terms of Taleb's view that um, much of it is a scam. Mm. I agree. Mm. You know, I think, I think 99, yeah. I think even if even if uh, one or two or a hand or a dozen sort of mm-hmm. coins emerge as these really fundamental, hugely important things for the future, it doesn't mean that 99% yep. of other things are going to survive. I, I would bet my left arm that most mm. of the the quote-unquote assets in this space go to zero. Mm-hmm. The, the, you know what I mean? That's, that's a different point though. Ah. So you just, again, con- yep. context and, and nuance.
1: Mate, last year Scott Pape wrote there apparently, according to his numbers, seven thousand seven hundred and seventy three crypto coins. Yeah. Now probably more now. There is mm-hmm. there is there are fewer stocks. There are vastly fewer national currencies. The chance that these these all I mean you you can make a guess from the you're Eustin, because if Woolies has a coin and Coles has a coin and, uh, you know, there, there are times when I guess it could possibly be that many just because there are super small individual uses. So it's possible mm-hmm. that you can have that many. If they if they each represent dealings with a like single company or a single issue or a single category of industry, I guess it's possible because yeah, they're all just- But even then, images, the total but, so. combined
0: market cap is no exactly. is not going to
1: be exactly. what it is. It just can't be. Exactly. Okay. So just, just, just yeah. And again, the other thing, by the way, so I always appear on Steve Price's uh, show. Uh, on Listener, uh, called Australia Today every Thursday. And he asked me the other day about exactly that. Mm. And he's like, well, why would the Australian government want to get into crypto? And my answer, because the Australian government was talking about stable coins in December last year. Mm. And the answer was, uh, you know, to exactly your point, cryptos ain't cryptos. Mm. They're not all the same thing. I I said, look, because it's different, right? Bitcoin's this thing which is literally like gold in terms of its potential store of value or currency or not. Ethereum is kind of this whole idea of, and you know this better. I'm, I'm not trying to say I'm the expert on this stuff, but just to d- demonstrate the differences, has a use case as the base of Web three, mm-hmm. and then you've got a, a potential government stable coin, which is literally just a way of representing real currency on a blockchain, yeah. which is which is is couldn't be more different from Bitcoin or Ethereum in anything other than the system they use. It's like it's like saying that all internet. Well, everything on the internet's the same because all the internet's like, well, they all use the internet technology, sure, but that doesn't mean Amazon and Apple and the Sydney Morning Herald and Facebook are the same thing. They're not. They happen to all use the same. They're all all internet companies. They're all, they use the tech technology. Doesn't mean that just because someone misuses the web, the web is terrible. It's right? like
0: just yeah, the good analogy there's with programming. I mean, with each pick a language, Java or C plus or whatever. Right, whatever, right, right. You know, it's all it's all built on the same technology, mm-hmm. the same coding language. But what you make yeah, out of that yeah. are vastly exactly. different things, and it's yeah, just yeah. it's silly to lump them yeah. all together. So that's yeah. so I, I think it's one of those things. You know, I, I think Taleb's largely right, but mm-hmm. to, to dismiss the whole thing entirely, I think he's wrong.
1: I think I remember speaking of religion. I think I remember C.S. Lewis once writing that it took as much faith to believe in God as to be sure there wasn't a God. And I kind of like the idea of that conceptually. And don't even think about talking about religion now, mate. <laughs> uh, but just that idea of like you know the, the, the certainty to, the certainty to know that you know that you know that, that cryptos can't work mm. is, 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 is it makes you exactly the same person who says, of course, absolutely, they're going to work without any question. And, and, and as, each of those is as uncertain because they are extreme views because they're absolutist views. Yeah. And absolutism is a really, really dangerous thing for an investor. I
0: was gonna, that's the point. For, like, it, anyone who doesn't change their mind in investing is doomed to fail. I mean, think about the number of people that have bought something, HIH insurance, big blue chip, major insurer, you know, it fell in half, now mm-hmm. it's, now I should be buying and bought more and bought more and bought more and bought all the way to zero. You know, it's and and when mm-hmm. was this all in on that kind of stuff? It's just any example of any asset, and he goes one hundred percent absolute conviction with never any ability to change your mind is is a guaranteed recipe for disaster. Because the other thing is, is that you just, with that, with that certainty comes the fact that, well, you do have just a one stock portfolio and you might as well leverage up as well, because you know, it's going to (laughs) happen. And if I had a time machine, that's how I play it. I I would, I would go 10 years in the future. What stock did the best, right? Come back to this point, borrow whatever I can and just go Mm -hmm. all the hell in. Um, And, and, and that, you know, but, we don't have time machines, and that's why those those certainty approaches just are disastrous for investors. But we've we've whipped this horse well and truly into the ground. I think we
1: absolutely have, which is which is always nice. Here's a, a really quick uh, a really quick question on super. Hi, Scott and Paigey says Doug. I have a question for the podcast. I've amassed enough cash in super to consider transitioning to a self managed super fund. I've been managing eighty percent of my own money through Australian super for quite a few years now but I want to access the US market and Australian super only allows trades for the ASX 300. I should add they do add uh, access to the ETFs as well, but that's uh, you're right than that, Doug. It's not even individual shares. I've been looking at traditional SMSFs and then I came across Stake Super. It looks like an easy way to get the SMSF benefits with little paperwork and small fees. My question is, what are the risks, if any, that you smart fellows see with this product? Thanks from Doug. I'll let you go first on this one. I'm not familiar with the product. Cool. So, I w- the first thing I will say is I don't. I, I, I really struggle to answer product specific questions because we don't know any products super well enough to know. Um, even individual brokers, like I could talk about, I could talk about the broker I use. But if you start asking me about even the next biggest broker in the market, I couldn't convincingly give you a really solid reason or a solid view on the absolute risks and benefits of using those. So, I, that's I, I'm glad you said that, mate. Because that, that's my first point. My first answer is they don't know for sure. A um, couple of things I would I would talk about in general, mate. First thing is. I love stock picking. Um, my question for you, Doug, might actually be just make to make sure you have really, and every one listening, make sure you've really understood the costs and benefits of doing it. Uh, there's a lot more paperwork. <laughs> there's a lot more responsibilities as a trustee. Uh, 80% may well be enough for you to manage yourself and get most of the benefit, both intellectually, uh, emotionally, and financially. Uh, so I, I would honestly really just suggest to people that, I. Th- so here, here's a controversial statement, mate. too many people have SMSFs in my view. Mm. There are people out there who probably don't need, shouldn't have SMSFs, the cost, time, money, what, t- you know, e- um, emotional energy, stress related to it. I think we all are told we should and somehow there's that element of like, well, we have to take control and taking control means an SMSF and that. I actually, honestly, I think we probably do with half the SMSFs we've currently got. Which I'll say Doug shouldn't do it, just that I think too many people do. So my my, my first bit of evidence was just, you know, how do I change? My first thing is make sure you, you need to or want to. You've got the ASX 300 already. If you're getting... 50, 60, 70, 80% of the benefit of doing it yourself, is that enough or not? And that's, I don't know the answer mm. to that for you, mate. You need to answer that for yourself. Because they also do have, by the way, Australian Super has international ETFs. Um, I will disguise for the fullness of disclosure, not that I really even need to, but the Motley Fool has used Australian Super as our default super fund for our team. Um, so just just so you know, we don't have a dog in that fight. We get nothing for it at all. Literally not a cent from anyone for doing that. Uh, we just thought it was great for our team as a, as a default super fund. So I'll just say that for the sake of complete disclosure. Um so you know, I, I really would say to most people who are thinking of changing, just maybe start with the default of don't and then go from there. Because if you got the ASIC 300, if you've got the ETFs, how much do you really get in terms of benefit and for what costs? Oh, and, and when I say costs, I mean just general drawbacks, not literal costs, although the, the money can be quite expensive too. So have a think about that. Um, in terms of stake super, I think it, it seems fine, for best I know, the regular... the. Um, uh, it, 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 they've, they've built the business really thoughtfully they have the appropriate regulatory clearances and organisation to make sure everything's done as well as it can possibly be so that's all positive uh, I would say moving into any small or new business of any sort broker or otherwise I've, I've said before I've trialled Perla the brokerage um, I have a very 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 small amount of me in Perla because I don't know what's going to happen And I, I, those guys are good guys trying to do the right thing just as the state guys are and I don't doubt their intent or their effort or their integrity but I don't like with any new thing, what are circumstances? What happens? Do fees go up? Does the business go? The company go to business? Do they get merged, bought out? Um, do they change the rules? I just don't know. And so, I'm not super risk uh, seeking. I don't mind. You know, I, I invest in shares. Some, some people would say, "Well, you obviously yes, yes you are." Um, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty happy just to go with kind of the traditional, plain, vanilla-y kind of stuff in this case. So, um, but. Steak Super might be fine. Superhero is going to do one. I'm pretty sure Perla will do one at some point. Super becomes this really great, because it's super sticky money, right? It doesn't go anywhere. You can't pull it out and spend it on a car. Um, you can always change providers, of course, but it, it can be tough. So there's that. Um, yeah, just just uh, do, proceed slowly. I, if, if it was me, I would personally give any product, and this is not about Steak. Stake they're good guys. We've dealt with them before. We know them a little bit. Um, I don't know them as well as, as some of our team do in the office. Um, so, yeah. You know, Absolutely zero reason to dislike steak at all. If it was me, I'd say interesting. I'll wait a year and see what see what's going on then. Um, just because I think it's, there's no harm in uh, buying version two of a piece of software or a piece of hardware or something. You know, you kind of when something comes out it's like, oh, that's imagine the heart of iPhone one versus iPhone two versus iPhone four versus iPhone seven. Eventually, you've got to replace your phone, so you get whatever one's coming. Would I rush out by the first iteration of something? No, I'd probably wait and let it build itself out a little bit further. So I would do that. Um, do I think there's serious risks? No. Do I know all the risks? Also, no. So
0: I'm, I'm giving you a very, very conditional answer. Ram, I think you've covered it really well. Yeah, um, I think the, the more important part is, is that it, it, at the end of at the end of time, you're not whether you've mm-hmm. gone with one. It's going to be a bit of a case of six of one, half a dozen of the other. In, in a little for, bit yeah. for most of the choices. So it's just yeah. it's just great that you're doing it. Um, yes, Doug. Uh, that's that's what's great. And I don't know enough to sort of. I've not done enough of an analysis of all the various products and options mm-hmm. to know which one is best. And again, I use I use all super just because again, when I was at the full, that's that's what got set up, and I just use it because I'm too lazy to look around. And maybe I should, by the way. <laughs> but it's, it's I feel as though what's going to really mm-hmm. move the dial is the performance of the assets that I've I've chosen, um, mm-hmm. rather than any sort of particular uh, exact feature set of of the product itself and and the fees, which are all mm-hmm. pretty similar anyway. So. Yeah, the other thing I'd actually make for what it's worth, actually, um, it wasn't. It's not about stake at all. Um,
1: I <clears throat> this is uh, the stake super superhero super all the stuff they guys these guys are doing now. This is brand brand new, right? And I mentioned version one of a product. I'd say this is version one of a of a service, in a type of service. So I'm I, I again. I, if you want to do it, do it by all means. Um, have a think about the US ETFs if you're not going to because I think you can get excited to the US market if you wanted it without buying individual stocks. So. I own individual stocks and I encourage people to do it if it's right for them. Um, I have a feeling, mate, that in three years' time, these sort of super apps, if I call them, or super services, will be a whole generation better. There'll be a million of them and there'll be a whole lot of better options. And you don't want to change the SMSFs too frequently or super funds too frequently. So, really honest, I mean, uh, uh, Vanguard's coming out with one, I think. Um, I would seriously do nothing for a while. I really, really would. Not because I want to suggest you don't, Yeah, you know, if there's an advantage out that you'd want to do it and you have a reason to it, again, by all means, I'm not trying to dissuade you. Um, but I am kinda, I, I would, I would, I would proceed really slowly. Because in 2023, 2024, I, I can only imagine there is 10 times the number and probably five times the features. And maybe at stake is the one at the forefront. They're doing a great job so far, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if they were. Um, But maybe the other's out there. So you know what I mean? I I think it's – while it's developing, um, I would just wait and see. It's like like I I desperately want to get a um, a smartwatch, not a Fitbit. I want to get one of those Google OS Wear smartwatches. I'm a Google, Mm. as as everyone knows. I own shares in the company, for the record. And they're not out yet. And so I'm like, I want to get one, but I'm not going to because they're kind of not quite there yet. I love the concept and I can't wait till it's great. Um, It's like Tesla Powerwalls, right? Version 1 had half the storage of version 2 and cost the same price. Mm. So you wait for Powerwall 2 or 3 – when you get more power for the same price because technology improves and costs come down and then you go and get... So it's all that stuff. I just wouldn't jump at the first iteration of something. I think you can absolutely benefit by cooling your jets for 12 months, reevaluating the market, seeing where things are at. And if nothing's changed, then fine. But I dare say there'll be more options, more players and you may well find either stake themselves or someone else is a better option because it becomes more widespread and, and the, the, the tech explosion, the innovation explosion will just continue to happen. I think we're in for a really, really good decade ahead.
0: Yeah. And I guess also just a reminder, you you never, it's never a lock-in decision anyway. So even if you did decide to try them out and yeah. a year later, if you're happy to do the, the paperwork and whatever, then that's no harm in that either.
1: Yeah, it'd be a pain though. I'd it actually, would be a I'd pain. Wait yeah,
0: to avoid the paperwork. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably that's probably total just pain. I yeah.
1: just think, oh mate, I don't want to that. No, I really don't want to
0: do that. Anyway, you are
1: you are absolutely of
0: course, but, but just ma- like, just hey, making the um, point though is like it's not it's yeah, not no, it's, no, that's it's not point. one of those decisions where it's kind of yes. like just, I really have to get this right because there's yeah. no going back. <laughs> it's not a tattoo. Yeah, it's not a tattoo yeah. exactly. <laughs> On that note, uh, I, is there
1: a straw man logo you're gonna get tattooed? to me. I don't. No, I
0: don't think. I don't. I, tats aren't for me, and I just know that my my um, tastes and whatever change so quickly. So it just, I wouldn't. What would you, what's tattoo would you have got when you were 20? I would have got like Pearl Jam or something, you know, just <laughs> something that just. Retro, I like know, it. You uh, know, <laughs> I can't, poison. I, it, it poison. It would have. Been, it would have been something that it just. You know, well, I think Paul James probably dated pretty well, but it just becomes more I'm obscure probably, and yeah, relevant over, over time, and so I just. I
1: thought it was poison, something that kind of yeah came and went in a flash. That was like that was cool at the time. Oh, that's. Oh, I look
0: at some meatloaf. Look at some of the clothes I used to too. wear, right? So I just I can't commit to anything. But <laughs> that, that I
1: have seen photos of you with that uh, significantly longer hair <laughs> yeah, oh on God, Facebook. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I have no hair, so I'm just jealous, <laughs> mate. Um, thank you for spending the last hour or so with me. Thank you, listeners, for spending some time with us. We hope you've enjoyed this particular episode. We're excited to be in 2022. It's pretty cool. Uh, We will come back, though, next week. We'll come back next Friday, I reckon, mate, with a regular episode. Then it's Sunday again for another mailbag. We have some fantastic questions so don't forget to send them through if you are keen. We'd love to read them.
0: Until then, full on. Cheers.